Hallelujah. What a wonderful name it is. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you tonight for that name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the victory that is truly ours through Christ Jesus. And Father, we're so grateful that we can gather in your name, in the name of Jesus. Father, we ask you to bless this time as we share together that everything that's said and done will bring you glory and honor. Father, we give you all the praise in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. You know, music is really interesting. And uh, the little road trip today drove down to Kansas City and back and you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. You, you know, um, I was I was singing songs, Christian songs, Christian songs. I mean, don't get me started on '60s tunes, but I, I was singing Christian songs that um, I hadn't sung for for years. Back in uh, um, even back when we were in the denominational church, but you know, it, it shows us how alive our spirit really is. And, um, you know, for years I said that I couldn't memorize scripture. But, you know, um, that's because I was trying to do it with my head. You know, I think a lot of times people say, well, I just just can't memorize music. Well, it's because you're doing it with your head. But when we begin to get it down into our heart, you know, what happens is that it's able to just begin to flow. And so, uh, anyway, I don't know why I shared that. I guess because I had a good time driving down the road. It reminded me of the old days when there weren't any cell phones. My escape used to be the car. Get in the car and drive away and nobody could get a hold of you. Now you got these stupid cell phones. And, uh, but, but nobody bothered me today, praise the Lord. So anyway, so I left it about quarter to nine this morning, got back at five. Praise God. About the same distance as it is to Minneapolis. So anyway, we're, we're continuing our series tonight, looking at grace, uh, the power of the gospel. And tonight, we're, we're, we're answering the question, or at least asking the question, hopefully, uh, we can answer the question, whose servant are we? You know, because whether we want to realize that uh, we're serving, we're serving somebody. We're either serving the world, we're serving the devil, or we're serving God. Um, <clears throat> there is there is no in between. And you know, as we've been talking about, as we've been going through this, we talked about the fact that you know f- that that death reigned in our lives. You know, we, we experience so much death. Uh, you know, it's, it's like I, I tell folk, you know, sinners don't sin because they're bad people. Sinners sin because that's what sinners do. They sin. And so that's the snare that we were under. That was what controlled our lives. It was, it was that death. And now, there's a, now that we have the grace of God, what reigns in our life is eternal life, is that eternal abundance. 
that's available to each and every one of us. And so um, <clears throat> we're going to start in Romans, the fifth chapter tonight. Romans, the fifth chapter in the 21st verse. And it says, <clears throat> so that is as sin reigned into death. So sin reigned into death. It reigned in our life. Even so, or in the same way, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, how did how was sin able to reign in our life? It was because that was our nature. And so how is it that grace is able to rule and reign in our life? Because that's our nature. We have a new nature. And I just think it's I don't think I can emphasize it enough how important it is that we make the distinction between the old nature and the new nature. Um, the two don't cohabit with one another. You know, it used to be, I, I can remember when I was first saved um, back in the, in the 70s and and early 80s and and we would so much of the teaching was about how we have these two natures that are at work there's there's the old nature and the new nature and and whichever one we submit to that's what's going to that's what's going to rule in our life that's what's going to dominate our life well what we didn't realize was that the old nature is dead it was crucified with Christ and so if it's, if it's dead, uh, it, ought to ha- it not, ought not to have any expression in our lives any longer. I went to uh, Kansas City to pick uh, somebody up for Aaron today. And uh, uh, <laughs> the, in- the individual was dead. And, you know, that person... Did, ca- did not cause me one problem all the way home. <laughs> not a single problem. Why? Because there was no means of expression there. Did you hear me? There's no means of expression there. Our old man is dead. That means he has no means of expression. The only way that he can express himself is if we allow him to, if we give him permission to. And so now we have a new nature, and that new nature is in Christ Jesus. And so that's who is to rule and reign in our life. Now the thing about sin, sin ruled, sin reigned in our life, and it was like we didn't have any any control over it. Because, you know, the the difference between the Holy Spirit and the devil is the Holy Spirit honors our free will. You know, sometimes I think it'd be so nice if God would just make us behave. You've probably never been there. But I, I I just think it'd be so wonderful if he just made us obey. But he doesn't do that because then we would just be uh, 
a robot. And we wouldn't be serving God because we want to, we'd be serving God because we have to. And so that's never gonna happen. And so the Holy Spirit, God, Jesus, gives us our free will. And so we, we can choose to serve him or we can choose not to serve him. We can choose to obey him or we can choose not to obey him. Uh, it, it, it's totally up to us. Now, like I said, you know, when we were, when we were a slave to sin, the difference is uh, sin ruled and reigned in our life. <clears throat> we, we still technically had a free choice. It was just that we didn't have the strength within ourselves to choose right. You know, uh, as a human being, we have, a, we have a lot of power. We have a lot of strength. We have a, we have a lot of might. We look at ourselves and we think we're so wimpy, but we're, but we're really not. You know, and what, what really keyed this into me is, you know, I grew up on the farm and we had hogs on the farm. And they were some of the orneriest critters. I mean, they, they, had a, they had a free will. I mean, you, you need to have Becky share the story that, well, I guess that was cattle with her, but, you know, they were, her dad was wanting them to help her with, keep these cows from getting out of the gate, and they come towards her, and she just moved out of the way. You know, and, uh, you know, that's usually what we do. You know, I had a, my first 4-H pig, uh, it, was, it was so tame that we didn't put it in a, in a fence. It just, it just ran around the yard and it would chase our, our uh, German shepherd and then the German shepherd would turn around and chase the pig. And, but but it, it was, never, it was never, never locked up. So then when we, we got to the fair, all the chutes were full. And so we, we just let my pig out in the middle of the parking lot and let him into the pen, no problem at all. And then it was time to show it. And it decided it wanted to fight with all the other pigs that were in the pen. Of course, it was never with any pigs because it ran around the yard. And, and so, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was a battle. That, that hog had its own mind. And it wasn't, don't they, Mike? I mean, he's probably busted some hammers over him. You know, <clears throat> well, the, scratch that from the tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah they, went, they don't do it anymore because the, the handles are steel and fiberglass. You know, my dad did it with wood hammers. You know, but, but, but they have a, they have a, but I was going through this, think about this. Remember the, the account of the, the man with the legion of demons? And when Jesus showed up on the scene, he, uh, he said, don't, don't send us away from here. Allow us to go into the, into these hogs, into these pigs, this herd of swine. And so the demons went into the swine <clears throat> And what's, what's the enemy out to do? To steal, to kill, and destroy. This man had a legion of demons and they couldn't kill him. But he went into a herd of swine and the whole bunch committed suicide. Ran down into the, into the sea and died. 
I know it's kind of a hard thing to deal with pigs committing suicide, but I, <clears throat> I guess if they've got a demon, they have enough, well, we won't go there. But see, the thing that I want us to see there is, see, we have within us, in our natural state, there's, there's strength, there's, there's might, there's will. But you know, when sin comes in our life and sin begins to rule, when we had our old nature, we were dominated by sin. And I don't know about you, I would do something stupid and I'd swear I'd never do it again. And guess what? I did it again. And I'd swear I'm never gonna do it again. And guess what? I did it again. And you know what, that, that pattern never changed until I got a new nature. Until I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And so, <clears throat> um, so that Sin, as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we need to recognize and understand that we are a truly a new creation, and by that we have a new nature. And so now what we do is we, we follow that new nature, but, it's, but it, once again it's, it's a choice that we choose to do it. But when we choose to follow that new nature, we're going to experience the abundance of victory. Here it says we're going to experience uh, eternal life through righteousness. But you know, I think one of the things that complicate it is the fact that we don't get a revelation that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So often Christians are still trying to become righteous. They're trying to become something that they already are. And when we get a revelation of who we are in Christ Jesus, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. In other words, we are in right standing with God right now. And when we get that revelation, things begin to change in our life. And so <clears throat> because of this, we're able, to, we're able to live holy. And so let's look at, let's back up a little bit. Uh, let's look at, um, or I guess we're going to move forward uh, to Romans, the sixth chapter and the 15th verse. And so Paul gives us some reasoning as to why we ought to live a holy life. You know, Why? You know, I, I, I live by grace. I walk by grace. Why, why, do I, why do I need to be concerned about this whole holy thing? Well, let's listen to what Paul has to say. Well, let's get a running start from a 14th verse. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And so sin will not rule over you because you're not under law. You're under grace, and because you're under grace, sin will not rule over you because it isn't dependent upon um, your actions. It's dependent upon what Jesus already did for you. 15th verse, what then? <clears throat> Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? You know, and so 
um, there, there's people that when you begin to talk about grace, they'll, they'll, they'll say, well, what you're saying then is you can do whatever you want. You know, and, and, and so Paul, obviously, that same argument was presented to Paul because he, he's, he's addressing that subject. He's, he's addressing anybody that would say, well, I guess it really doesn't matter what I do then. I can, I can sin, I can do whatever, it really doesn't matter. And so Paul says, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. He says, of course not, we're not going to do that. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? And so what he's saying is, <clears throat> we're going to be a slave or we're going to submit to something. The thing is, is now that we've been born again, we get to choose. We get to choose what we're going to submit to. Am I going to submit to sin? Am I going to allow it to rule in my life? Or am I going to submit to God and righteousness and allow that to rule in my life? And so we, we have a, a choice as to what we're going to submit to. And, and here it says, what then shall we sin? It's, I, I put it in your notes, it's in, in uh, bold, yeah, bold print. Thank you for helping me out so quickly on that and let me die up here. <clears throat> shall we sin? It's talking here, um, commit, sinful actions. It's not talking about your position here. It's not in, here it's a, remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about the difference between the noun and the verb. Here it's, it's not a noun, it's talking about the verb, it's talking about the act of sin. And he says, shall we sin, commit sinful actions because we're not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself to obey. Notice, he's saying that when we determine who we're going to follow, who we're going to obey, we're, we're not simply submitting to the act. We're submitting to someone. John 10.10 10 says, the thief has come but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so when we choose to sin, act, act, out, act out acts of unrighteousness, we're choosing to submit unto the evil one, unto the devil. And he's out to do one thing, to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's his goal. Now, <clears throat> again, going back to when I was first saved, um, you know, we got resaved every other day, you know, because we believe that, or, or we're taught um, that if we committed acts of sin, we would lose our righteousness. And so then we'd have to get, we'd have to get born again again. You know, I shared how my good friend who's in the pastorate now, he talks about when he was growing up in the church, however, Sunday night he went to church and got born again again. Because 
he had messed up during the week and so he figured he had lost his salvation and had to receive it all over again. We don't lose our salvation because of an act. You know, <clears throat> we, didn't, we didn't get saved because of our actions. We got saved because of Jesus' actions. And we don't lose our salvation because of our actions. We lose our salvation. Well, it's really tough to lose it. But we can. And the Bible talks about the searing of the heart. And that's why it's so important for us not to yield, not to us, for us to submit uh, to the evil one. Because what happens is um, our heart becomes seared and we're no longer sensitive to the things around us. And uh, <clears throat> I believe it's a whole lot more difficult to get unsaved than it is to get saved. But I believe that we can walk away from God if we choose to. And that doesn't just happen. It happens because we, we begin this process of rejecting. And so John 10.10 10 says, The thief has come but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so when we submit to sin, when we submit to the evil one, destruction, um, death, um, that which we, we have is stolen from us. You know, it can be our health. Uh, it can be our, our, our emotional well-being. It can touch every area of our life. But he's out to steal, to kill, and destroy. And, and he's, not, he's not picky. He'll, he'll pick any inroad that he can. You know, the Bible says the wages, the consequence of sin is death. And, and death, you know, for us as a believer, doesn't mean that we are necessarily going to physical die, physically die or we're going to experience eternal damnation. You know, when we look at what death really means in the scripture is talking about separation. And so when we choose to live a life uh, in disobedience to God and to his word, um, we can remain saved. But we're going to experience death in our life. We're going to experience separation in our life. We're going to experience, um, you know, for, for, you know, death in relationships, death in, in our health, uh, death in our finances. And that doesn't mean that it ceases to exist. It just means we're, we're separated from what we really ought to have manifesting in our life. But then it says, Jesus, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And so... <clears throat> The fruit of serving Jesus is the abundant life. It's experiencing the abundant life. The, the fruit of serving um, the world, the flesh, the devil, is destruction. I mean, we, we can see it in the world. We just look around us and, and we, we think, why, why are things in the world the way that it is? Because uh, they're bearing fruit. It's producing. And it's producing bountifully in the world with death and destruction. And why is that? Because they've chosen not to follow after, after Jesus. 
Um, technically, technically, <laughs> we can live in sin if we want to. Technically, we can. But listen to what it says in Hebrews, the third chapter, in the 13th verse. Starting in the 12th verse. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. Wow. Now we talked on Sunday about unbelief. The only real sin that we have to deal with, issue we have to deal with is, is unbelief. And what is what is Everything the enemy does, what does he want us to do? He wants us to not believe the word of God. He wants to get us to that place of unbelief. And so he says, and notice who he's talking to here. He says, beware brethren. So he's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. He's talking to you and me. He says, beware brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Remember, we talked about that on Sunday as well, that uh, unbelief is called evil. When the children of Israel refused to go into the promised land because they didn't believe that God was able to give it to them, the Bible says that it was an evil report. It was evil. And so when we look at the Word of God and we say, well, that'll work for everybody else, but that won't work for me, that's evil because that's unbelief. We're saying uh, that what God said he would do in and through our lives, he can't do or he won't do. That's an evil report. And so beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And you see, <clears throat> that's the danger of the seared heart. That's the evil heart. What happens is we... We begin, to, we begin to walk away from the things of God. You know, in my 40 some odd years that I've walked with the Lord, I can't tell you how many people that I've seen walk away. I'm not saying they've lost their salvation. I'm not, I'm not in any position to judge that. So I, I, don't, I don't judge anybody in that regard. Thank God that's not my responsibility. That's his. But what they've done is they've walked away from the truth of the word of God. And, and what I know is if, you, if an individual continues to move in that direction long enough, they'll, total, they'll totally walk away from God. And so it says, <clears throat> but exhort one another. So he's talking to us believers again. And he's saying we're to exhort one another. We're to encourage one another. How many of you know the world will not encourage you to be a Christian? <laughs> it will not encourage you in your faith. The world doesn't come up to you and say, well, I'm just so, I'm just so, I'm just so thankful that you're wearing that cross around your neck and that you love Jesus. It's just so wonder. I'm just so, I'm just so happy for you. No, they say, what are you wearing that stupid thing around your neck for? I guess it's kind of cool. It's, you know, got metal in it, so. But I mean, wear a wooden one. Oh. 
or, or wear one that's got, you know, that's, that's made out of the spikes. Don't use the real spikes because you'll walk around like this, but, you know, the, the, the little spikes. The world will not encourage you. But somebody's got to encourage us. We've got to encourage one another. And so it says, but exhort one another daily. Daily. Guess what? It isn't enough that we get a little bit of the Word of God or get an encouragement every few weeks or so. Paul said, well, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. I believe it was Paul. And so if you don't think that, just disregard when I say Paul. But I, I think it was Paul. We'll find out when we get to heaven and then you'll have to admit I was right. You know? <laughs> but um, Paul said, we need it daily. And I mean, think about this something. This, this, is, this is the Apostle Paul. This is the man that wrote two-thirds of the epistles of the New Testament. This is the man that God gave the revelation of grace, gave the revelation of the church, gave revelation of the body of Christ, gave revelation as to who we are in Christ Jesus. And this man, and I believe he's speaking it out of experience, he says, we need to be exhorted, we need to be encouraged on a daily basis, not just once in a while. But exhort one another daily while it is still called today lest any of you be hardened through, a deceit, through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful. Dr. Colwise said, um, sin promises to satisfy and reward. I'm not getting it exactly right, but it steals and destroys. It'll promise you everything. Sin promises you everything. Oh, you, you do this and you're going, to be, you're going to be happy. You know, I, I feel so bad for people because the deceiver tells them you, you, you suck a little bit of this up your nose and your whole life is going to change. Oh yeah, your life is going to change. But the deceiver deceives you because it's not what you think it's going to be. You know, they tell teenagers, well, you know, Drink a few beers, look cool, and everybody will think you're just something else. You know, and then they get caught or something worse. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. And he does it over and over and over again. You know, I, I think I, um, I, I know I've shared it with you, but it, it, it bears repeating, you know, when the, when the Jimmies fell back in the, 90s or whatever it was, Jimmy Schwaggert and Jim Baker. Um, I remember uh, a pastor friend of mine or acquaintance was talking about this pastor out in California who, uh, when all this was going on, he said, you know, he said, that's one thing I am so confident in. He says, I know that my marriage is so strong uh, I am so committed to it. I don't even think about it. I never have to worry about anything happening in my marriage. 
Within a year's period of time, that pastor had an affair with his secretary, lost his church, lost his wife, lost his family, he lost everything. The deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin says it's going to please, it's going to satisfy, but it's a lie. It'll only bring death and destruction. And, and, and that was the point who was the individual that, that was sharing it, was that it, it produced death. It was a death of his marriage. It was a death of his family. It was a death of, of his ministry. And that's what the enemy wants to do to you and me. And, he, and, he, and he's deceitful about it. He's sly about it. And so we need to be wise because the enemy, he wants to steal, he wants to kill, he wants to destroy He'll put problems in our life. He'll put circumstances in front of us. And you know what? We've, we've got to choose. We've got to choose that we're going to serve him. And again, you know, people say, well, you know, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Well, don't forget the last part of that verse. All things are lawful. You know what that means? We're not under the law. We get to choose. But is it going to profit us? You know, uh, I, I have no... Uh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say this because of what I just said earlier. <clears throat> but uh, um, but I, I have no problem with, with gambling. You know, it's... Um, and it isn't because I've got this great conviction in my life. It's because I'm cheap. You know, and I, I, just, I, I just think... You know, I've, I've wanted, if I want to do that, I might as well just go in the toilet and flush it. You know, that, that's how I look at it. You know, I know people look at it differently. But it's not a problem. And part of it goes back to the fact that I lost money playing Huckley Buck with my grandpa. Now, when your grandpa's beating you and you're losing money, you know, just think what they're going to do out there. You know, and, and so, but it's, it, it can be so, it's so deceptive. I've never talked to anybody. Well, I've, I've talked to a few that have come out with a few bucks. But I'll guarantee you, I'll guarantee you the next time they go back, they lose it more. You know, because... What's Huckley Buck? Huckley Buck? Huckley Buck. That's a great old game. I, I'm, I'm, I don't have time to explain it right now. But... Uh, catch me on a Saturday night and we'll play it. And if I can remember, because it's been a few years. Huckley Buck, everybody gets five cards and you have Trump and you, you take suits and so on and so forth. It's, it's, a, it's a good old game. And, and of course, we played, you know, for, for every uh, time you went bunk, you, you went set, it, it cost you a penny. You know, so it's not like we, we lost a lot of money. But I, I learned at a very young age, um, you're not going to make it. Not, you're not going to come out in ahead, you know, because when my 80-something-year-old grandpa was able to beat me, you know, I'm, I may not be the sharpest thing, but I'm not dull either. In, in, in John 5, 14, this is where Jesus is at the... Uh, pool of Bethesda 
And remember, he just healed the guy that uh, was, was at the pool who wasn't able to get in. And then he encounters him in, in verse 14. Well, let's just back up to the 12th. And they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn uh, a multitude being in that place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and he said to him, see you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Now, I understand that this verse is before the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. You know, so we, we've been set free from, from sin. But you know, the other part of it is, we see it throughout Scripture where, you know, we see it concerning deliverance. That, you know, the individual that was delivered, but then he didn't, he didn't fill his house with anything. And what did the enemy do? He came back and he brought back, he was worse off than he had ever been. And what Jesus is saying here is when we've experienced the goodness of God and we realize what we've come out of, don't go back to sin because sin is progressive and we're going to experience even worse than what we had before. And it isn't because God is laying it on us. It's because we've opened ourselves up to the destroyer. Remember, he's out to do one thing, to steal, well, three things, steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. You know, I, I know concerning alcohol, you know, an individual will uh, get free from alcohol, but then he, he chooses to go back. And you know what? His addiction doesn't start all over again. It's like he starts where he ended it picks up right there and so it's going to be progressive and, and you know what sin is the same way it doesn't matter what sin we're talking about it's progressive I wasn't planning on preaching a sin message tonight but you know every once in a while we got to hear a good sin message amen you know why because we want to avoid it we want to stay away from it and, and, and sometimes I hopefully you all don't but sometimes people get the idea it really doesn't matter. But I want us to know something. It really does matter. Because it will bring destruction into our life. In 1 Titus, or excuse me, 1 Titus. Titus 2. Verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. You know, and so <clears throat> nowhere in the scripture does it tell us that it really doesn't matter what we do. It does matter. And so we need to live a, a holy life. 
For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. And you know what? We can do it. The reason that we can do it is because we have a new nature in Christ Jesus. Because old things have passed away, all things have become new. And so I have a new nature, and because I have a new nature, I can live righteously. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, but you know what? I can live righteously. Too many people just settle for the fact that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. But I like to call it fruits of righteousness. We ought to bear fruits of that righteousness that we are through Christ Jesus. We ought to live holy because we serve a holy God. Verse uh, Romans 6, 17. But God be thanked that though you were slaves, notice it's past tense, that though you were slaves to sin, oh, pastor, I just, I just can't help myself. Liar, liar, pants on fire. If you can't, then let's get you born again. But we have to make the decision. You know, <clears throat> the world continually tells us that people can't help what they do. Yes, we can. Maybe those in the world can't. But we can. And we have to be convinced of that. We need to rise up to that and allow that to manifest in our lives. As long as we tell ourselves we can't, we won't. But it's an interesting thing. The moment that we begin to tell ourselves we can, we will. What we say is so important. People say, well, I don't believe in that confession stuff. Well, you prove it's true every single day of your life because of the words that come out of your mouth. You know, we're, we're living today what we spoke yesterday. You know, and so if we don't like what we see in our life today, we need to change what we're talking about. And if we change it today, tomorrow will be different. But at some point, we've got we've to change the conversation that comes out of our mouth. But he says here in the 17th verse, but God be thanked that though you were slaves to sin, yet you obeyed from your heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free, and having been set free, I must say, thank God I'm set free. Now that wasn't so hard to do, was it? But you know what? That's what needs to be coming out of our mouth. Whenever, whenever that thing, like they call it that sin that so easily besets it, the, that seems to just kind of tag along, we need to declare that I've been set free from you. You, you no longer have any dominion over me. You no longer have any right to me. And having been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. You know, 
slaves is really a strong term because a slave doesn't have a choice. We, we still have a choice. But we take that position of a slave, of a servant. I take that position to serve righteousness. And the interesting thing is when I'm serving righteousness, I'm serving a righteous God. And so he says, having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. You see, if we rely upon the flesh, we're going to, we're going to give in over time. And that's where we, we need to learn to allow our, our spirit man to dominate our lives. And see, that's where it comes back to the initial question, whose servant are you? Who are we going to serve? Are we going to serve the world? <clears throat> Let me tell you something. To serve the world, do nothing. And you will serve the world. Jerry Seville, um, great man of God, uh, you can catch him on Sunday morning. I don't know if he's on any other time during the week. He's on um, Believer's Voice of Victory channel, Kenneth Copeland. But uh, Jerry Seville, he had this teaching years back. And one of the things that Jerry was so good at was uh, he, he was so down to earth. I mean, he's still alive, so he's still preaching. But his teachings were so down to earth and so practical and he'd use examples that, um, that I could identify with. And one of the things that he talked about with the world was that <clears throat> when we become a Christian and we're in this world, it's like taking a canoe out into the river. And he says, you know, to, to get going, uh, to, to go contrary to the world, you gotta go, you've got to go upstream. And so initially it takes some work to get, to get going, but if you're in a canoe, once you get that thing in, in motion, um, it, it gets easier and you, you're, you're moving in the right direction. But he said, but if you want to go with the world, do nothing. And that current will get a hold of the canoe and it'll take you right downstream. That's how the world is in every area of our life. If we, want, if we want to go the way of the world, do nothing. And the current of society will take you and we'll end up wherever society wants to take us without conviction, without, you know, it'll take us. And so we have to make a decision. I'm not going to go in that direction. I'm going to go in the direction of the things of God. And, and to continue to go upstream. <clears throat> and it's, it's not like I've got to have a power motor on the back of it to get upstream. All I have to do is exert some effort. What's the effort that I need to exert? What does the Word of God say about my situation? I'm going to say about my situation what the Word of God says about my situation. You know what that is? That's paddling upstream. That's going against the current. That's how difficult it is. So it really isn't that difficult, but we have to make a decision that we're gonna go against the current. We're not gonna allow it 
to, to take us downstream. And the thing about it is, most of us are living out self-fulfilled prophecy. Like I said earlier about the words that we speak. We've spoken it out. What we're experiencing is a direct result of the words that we've spoken out of our mouths. I did it for years. I spoke out of my mouth that I was, that I was stupid, I wasn't able to read. I, I, I spoke all those things and you know what? I got tired of being in that category. I got tired of seeing myself <laughs> as a stupid non-reader. And I made the decision I can read. You know, of course I had to do something about that. I had to read. Confess for years. I can't memorize scripture. I'm just, I'm just no good at memorization. And guess what? I didn't memorize anything. Why? Self-fulfilled prophecy. And that's what we do to ourselves. We allow ourselves to be controlled and manipulated by the words that come out of our mouths. Why? Because we don't believe what the Bible says. You know, I, I'm, I'm melancholy. And uh, I'm convinced that the scripture, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, is written for the melancholy. You know, because, you, you know, the mind doesn't shut off. You know, I had four hours to Kansas City this morning and four hours back, and I didn't have the, I know Sean and Miranda will go nuts over this, but I didn't have the radio on, I had nothing on. The only thing on was my brain. I had so much time to think. It was clear of all the distractions. That's what I love that periodically. Because this world is so full of noise. And your life is so full of noise. And then you, you say, well, I don't hear from God. Yes, you do. But there's so much noise in your life, you can't distinguish what he's saying to you. And so there comes a point where we've got to get rid of the noise. And some of the noise is your own voice what you're saying about yourself, rather than going back to the Word and allowing the Word of God to speak to you, to reveal to you what He really wants to do in your life. Verse 20. Well, I don't know if I got all the way through 19, so I'll read, start there. I speak <clears throat> in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to lawlessness. Notice, lawlessness leads to lawlessness. Lawlessness leading to, try to say that about six times in a row. <clears throat> lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members of, as slaves to righteousness for holiness. You know what that's saying? Righteousness leads to righteousness. Righteousness leads to holiness. And so how do, we, how do we get our lives to shape up? We start acting upon what the Word of God does, says. We act upon it, and it leads to more action, which leads to more action, which leads to more action, which leads to more action. And eventually we look back and we think, what happened to me? You changed. 
You're walking holy because you're serving a holy God. Verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. When you were a slave to sin, you didn't give a thought to righteousness. You were free from it. What fruit did you uh, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you now are ashamed? In other words, we produce fruit. You know, it's interesting. We look in, in Galatians, the fifth chapter, and it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But you know, in, in Galatians, the sixth chapter, it talks about the works of the flesh. But you know what it is? It's the works of the flesh. I guess that's still in verse 5. It's just up a little further. But we're all producing something. But as a born-again believer, we get to choose what kind of fruit we produce in our lives. For, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? In other words, a lot of that stuff back then, you know, if we'd be honest about it, we're kind of ashamed of the stuff that we did. Now, thank God we're free from shame. We don't live in shame, but we don't want to go back there. For the end of those things is death. Now, it's not talking here about physical death, but it, it can be included in that. But it's talking about what that fruit is going to produce. It's going to produce death. Death in relationships, death in, in finances, death in health, death in so many areas, separation. And he says that's what it's going to produce. But now, having been set free from sin, but now, so it's talking about now, after we've been born again. But now, having been set free from sin, and having become slaves of God. And again, that's what we choose to do. We choose to be his slaves. We choose to follow after him. I'm going to put that back in my pocket. <clears throat> I just saw what time it was. Let me read on. <clears throat> Having been slaves of God, you have uh, more fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sin produces death. It produces separation. Grace the love of God, living a righteous life, which leads from righteousness to righteousness to holiness. The Bible talks about going from glory to glory to glory. What does it produce? Eternal life. And you know what? Eternal life isn't just in the hereafter. Where do we, where do we be experiencing that eternal, abundant life right here and now? Amen? Praise the Lord.